how do you unlock the potential in yourself and the people who work for you? Hello, I'm Chester Elton, and this is my dear friend and co-author, Adrian Gostick. Well, thank you, Jess. Yeah, today we interview one of our dear friends and one of the most successful and wisest business leaders we've known over the years. And today he gets paid a lot of money to help leaders figure out their talent, teamwork, and strategy goals. He's going to have some amazing insights for all of us. As always, we hope the time you spend with us will help reduce the stigma of anxiety at work and in your personal life. And as Adrian said, he's our dear personal friend. His name is Mark Servodidio. He's an advisor to public and private CEOs, CHROs, and leadership teams on talent, teamwork, and strategy. Prior to co-founding Prosumo Global Partners, Mark was president of International for Avis Budget Group for the EMEA, Asia, and Pacific regions with a $3 billion revenue stream, which is remarkable, and over 10,000 employees in 21 corporate countries. Over his career, he's worked with PepsiCo, Kraft Nabisco, as well as Avis Budget. Welcome to the show, Mark. It's just a delight to see you and talk to you again. It's been too long, my friend. It's so great to see both of you. Thank you for having me on. Looking forward to the conversation. Well, let's start with what you're seeing. Mark, you have an interesting vantage point. I mean, you've led large organizations. You've, in your previous career, you'd led HR in large companies. And today, now you get to work with client leaders to help create value with the people in their care. So walk us through what you're seeing, maybe new trends in talent management. If I'm running a small team, you know, how can I learn from what you're seeing out there to help me help my team grow? Well, what what is becoming really clear, and I know there's been lots of talk about it historically, but when you think about culture and creating a culture to attract, develop, and keep your talent, and within that culture, much more of a focus on listening, uh, which is which is uh, much further than we've ever seen before, and investing in development of people, whether it's through more structured mentoring or informal mentoring, as well as coaches, a focus on the whole person, as well as onboarding to have a fast start. And that's not just about an impact on KPIs, but it's an assimilation to the culture to create that connection, connection to the business, connection to people, connection to the organization. Excellent. You know, it is interesting that listening piece is kind of uh, tied with that empathy piece, right? Where less command and control and and more collaborative work uh, going around there. You know, I've often admired that one of your skills is developing teams and understanding team effectiveness. So share with us, where is it where most teams are failing and how can leaders, what can leaders do to build teams that reduce anxiety and stress while still getting the important stuff done, right? You bet. Um, one of the things that we see, guys, is that teams not having a purpose. Um, teams are really good at setting goals, setting targets. But purpose, the challenge of a purpose binds you together. So sometimes, you know, vision, mission, values, it ends up being good tagline. It ends up helping you set your goals. But purpose is what gets you out of bed. It gets what, it's what gets you excited about collaborating with your teammate. And it ultimately is what binds you together. One of the things we do sometimes with clients is team chartering, where you think about your future state, you assess your current position, what commitments you're going to make with measurable actions, and have it be a team effort. 
That builds collaboration. It builds alignment, all with a focus on purpose that everyone can embrace. So, so walk us through a little of that, Mark. Okay, I love that idea. Team chartering with me- measurable, you know, actions, goals, et cetera. So walk us. So if I'm leading a team of you know ten people, uh, what do I do? How do I get started with that kind of process? Well, one of the things that we do which I know both of you really appreciate, is sometimes you start with a little bit of an assessment of where people are at, how they communicate, what their style is. So when you bring the team together, you kind of have a sense for whether people are open or reserved or skeptical or optimistic, and you value those differences. But then you have a discussion around where you really want, what you want your purpose to be as an organization and what the future looks like. And then you frame that out and then begin to grade. How are you doing against that future uh, future purpose? Okay, I love that. Okay, so what the future looks like and then specifically how we're going to get there. Right. Okay, so so tell me too a little bit about, you know, the podcast is about anxiety at work. Uh, you've led large organizations. You say wellness now is becoming something we're talking about a lot. So what are you seeing in your clients that may be a little bit more innovative to really start opening up the conversation about mental health and wellness and and getting that conversation going? Well, um, one of the things that, first of all, I am happy to see is that organizations are having a much more open dialogue about stress, about mental health. It's recognized as a real challenge. Uh, The demands of the job, personal demands, whether it could be economic challenges, And by the way, I do want to tip my hat to a lot of the young professionals who deserve some credit here in leading the way in this and making sure the dialogue is real, it's opening, it's happening. But one of those things is openly talking about creating a psychologically safe environment, which is about trust. So how do you have an environment where people are heard and where innovation is encouraged and toxic people and behaviors are rooted out? And... Uh, and one of those one of those areas which I alluded to before, when you think about assessments of where people are at, there's fun ways to really find out who you are, what your style is, what your approach is, how you work together, and be accepting of the fact that people come from very different vantage points and there's value to what everybody brings that is different as opposed to trying to force people into a specific mold. So I, I want to push a little bit on the part about rooting out toxic behavior. You know, it's so interesting. We always talk about, oh, you get all these diverse people together and, you, and we're listening and we're empathetic. That's the tough part of leadership, isn't it? Where somebody acts out or isn't playing well with others and you got to root them out. So what does that look like on a team while you're still trying to value the diversity, you're trying to value different approaches? How do you how do you say to the team, okay, look, you know, Tom or Bob or Frank or whoever it is, this behavior is unacceptable. Do you give them time to change? Do you pull them aside? Does the team do it? Talk to me about that because that's the toughest part of leadership, I think, is when you have to pull somebody in and fire them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say the first step is is being more transparent in public settings. And I've just seen this just this week with clients where people make sarcastic comments about about where the team is at or, or 
you know, they try and make a joke out of something that's very serious to people. And what I have found can be very effective in in a non-aggressive way is basically pausing and calling out what you're seeing and and inviting the person to to recognize that that was, you know, either a sarcastic or a negative comment. And it usually, usually the group kind of supports you and backs that up. And then if there's the undertones that happen after you walk out of the meeting, then you have to ramp up your actions, preferably more one-on-one where you can really go deep and try and explain. Because what I will say is eight out of 10 times, people just need to be made aware and then their, their, their behavior can change. And then you have the few people where you say, you know what, it's our, it's, it is who they are and it's time to part company. Yeah. You know, uh, one of our mutual friends, Scott O'Neill, had a, a great way of doing that. He'd say, someone would say something sarcastic and he'd say, you know, I don't get the sense you're cheering for me on this one, Mark. <laughs> you know, and it, it would lighten the mood, like you say, make people aware and, and they would change. Well, you know, one of the areas of expertise that you guys do so well at Prosimo is strategy, right? Really getting people to dig down and where are we go and how are we going to get there? Are you seeing a humanization of strategy in organized organizations? You know, in other words, are leaders worrying more about the people in their care and what they look like? Um, and, and, you know, it used to be, look, just give me the numbers. I don't care who you, who you kill to get there. Are you yeah. seeing it's more about people while getting the numbers at the same time? I So I will say the footnote I'll put on this is the best companies. Absolutely. It is okay. top of conversation. Um and there's still a lot of opportunity out in corporate America. <laughs> um, but I do feel like we're we're really at a major inflection point on the whole discussion of talent. And there's a huge opportunity for HR to lead the way on this. You know, if you think about strategy, strategy is about understanding your landscape, knowing the resources you have and where to avoid or where to double down to get your biggest impact. And what I'm seeing is the best companies, once they understand their marketplace and the customer value proposition, they're either adjusting or they're transforming their cultures to achieve those results. So that means the profile of talent that comes in, the investment in development, giving the the team tools, creating an environment that accelerates that impact for customers and fosters innovations um, in a collaborative way. I see organization charts becoming more fluid as you put your best people or your best teams against your biggest problems, irrespective of function or title. I see talent pools where those are prospective employees or alumni that will become increasingly relevant as the relationship to the organization and the purpose should last for years. And I see the balance of short-term impact with long-term investment in connection to a business being now is the time for people to really focus on people, culture, and the talent that's going to provide that result. Just really quick though, Mark, how do you see AI playing in this? Like we've just seen the the big strike from the Actors Guild and so on where they're saying, hey, uh, we just want your image. We can replicate everything else you do. Um, And people are more and more worried about that. So you're saying the best companies still have this people focus. When you look at AI, though, where we, we're taking the human element somewhat out of that, where are you seeing that go in strategy? Well, I do think it is the fact that it's such a big conversation. 
like with many other things that have transformed the landscape, the conversation should be, what should the future of work look like? Mm. And what's the role on how to put people and, and your best people against your biggest problems? And how do you leverage the capability of AI to really accelerate and enable the, not only the development of people, but in service to your customers and in service to your mission. And I think, I think if you look at AI as it's another robot that's going to take jobs, you're missing some of the value of what it can do to kind of create and accelerate reshaping how we do work, how we communicate with each other. And it should not, and I think, which I know this might be sound countercultural, but this is not an IT thing. HR needs to be leading the way on how this is reshaping roles, responsibilities, work, communication, collaboration um, for the future. Wonderful. How do people learn more about your work at Prosimo? Uh, Mark, where would you send them? Well, the I mean, we do have our website at prosimoglobal.com. We are on LinkedIn, but we've got a couple things we're really excited about. Um, we've just released a book on powerful relationships, which is about teaching people how to be mentors and connection. Um, but I would say it's more of a booklet. It's easy to read, easy to digest. We're excited about our talent forum. We're working with David Ulrich, thinking about the future of talent within organizations and how that changes. And then our upcoming L24 Summit in January, where we're really focusing on leadership development with coaching, learning teams, to really drive home the whole, uh, now is the time to double down on this, on the investment in leadership. Love it. Love it. I'm about to have, go have lunch with David Ulrich. So I'll say <laughs> hi for you. Yeah. Hey, um, now I, I was just flipping through all in recently, our book we wrote, um, yep. about 10 years ago now, and we interviewed this young whippersnapper uh, leader, Mark Servadidio, <laughs> who was really brilliant and had, you gave us a really insightful idea about organizations and how we fall into kind of types, if you will. We have rules-based organizations and more customer-focused organizations. I love that differentiation. I don't know if you're still seeing that or not, but walk us through a little of that and maybe how you tried to be a little bit more customer-focused during your time at Avis Bud and also now as you try and help organizations? Well, when I think about it, you know, rules-based organizations, they really try and have the customer fit into their process to make it work for them. And, and I think companies have gotten more creative on dressing that up to make it feel more like it's a customer value proposition. But Customer-centric organizations, they really re-engineer how work gets done to put the customer at the center. And one of the things I learned when we were at Avis, we falsely assumed that high touch meant better service. And what we really found out, what customers really wanted is to leave us alone, let us do all this stuff ourselves. And if we have a problem, we want you there when we need you. But rest of it, get out of the way. And so we re completely re-engineered, and what we did is we started to take architecture from the Zipcar model, which we bought, and we built that into more of the Avis um, customer experience, where it becomes more self-serve, but yet people there when you need to get through a problem. And what we found is 
you know, when I was running Europe, we started off with our net promoter scores were in the single digits in many of our countries. And one of the things I was very proud of when we left is we were at NPS levels of, of 50 to 60 in some of these countries, which is, that's not even best in class. That's kind of like at Apple level NPS. So <laughs> I was pr pretty proud of that because we really started to re-engineer exactly what the customer wanted, but it took time. Excellent. You know, we're always interested in self-care. You know, uh, we, all, all the stuff that's going on, transitions in leadership, mergers, acquisitions, you know, the looming AI anxiety levels are, are pretty high. And you're dealing with a lot of different companies and you've got your own company and people you manage. What are some of the things that you do, Mark, to stay in a healthy mindset and keep your anxiety levels in check? Well, I, I have to confess, years ago, I didn't give stress and anxiety its proper respect. Um, and it did have an impact on my health. And, and so I have definitely restructured my own life, my own health, whether it's walking, whether it's eating properly, planning for leisure time, not being prideful in taking time for myself and my family, doing carving out things that bring me more joy, whether it's time with my adult children, whether it's boating or working with my hands, um, and trying to begin to write some more. But I think that the key thing is really recognizing that um, that stress and anxiety, it's real, it has an impact, and it needs to be uh, taken seriously. But also, there's a huge opportunity to kind of restructure your own health and well-being. Yeah, I just want to jump in. Uh, Mark's being a little vague, but there was an episode in particular that really <laughs> brought this home. And, you know, it, sometimes it takes that, doesn't it? The, yeah. That, that wake-up call that says, hey, wait a minute. Uh, I don't want my tombstone to say, man, could that guy close a deal? <laughs> you know, I want my tombstone to say, great right. father, great friend. And uh, so I appreciate you sharing that with us. I remember you sharing with me that whole experience and it was a wake-up call for me so i appreciate your your vulnerability and saying hey look sometimes you have to change your diet you have to pay attention yeah. and you've shown me pictures of your boat and you've promised me that i would be on it someday and i'm going to hold you to it <laughs> that's right that's right hey this has been such a great conversation mark and you know you, obviously you and chester speak more than you and i have in the last year or two um and and so okay so we're bumping into each other i have we literally are here and i haven't seen you in a couple of years you take me aside and you go adrian there's a couple of things i've learned over the last couple of years that i think you need to know <laughs> what are they what have you learned over the last couple of years that you want to share with our listeners as we close today well, when I think when I think about the conversation we're having, um, the first thing is uh, I think the fact that we're having a much more open dialogue around mental health, wellness, stress, but ha and and there's strategies to deal with that. Whether it's listening, respect, building trust, inclusivity, that really get after making me feel more welcome and our colleagues feel more welcome. I also want people to look at this as a time to embrace the changing landscape. You know, I, I think it's a time to be an inspiration to your peers, to be that peer mentor. And I think for organizations to double down on the one strategy that will have the biggest return, which is the development and well-being of their team members. 
And so my hope is with everything that's becoming more clear and transparent in our conversation uh, today is also the optimism that people can make an impact. They can take control of their own uh, management of stress and anxiety and, um, and to really uh, find more joy in their work. Wow, that's a great way to end it. Uh, find more joy in your work. It really does refocus on what really does matter. And um, Mark, we knew this was going to be a lot of fun. We knew you're going to bring a lot of insight. It's just so good to spend time with you. Thank you so much for sharing this with our listeners. And uh, we need to get together again sooner than later. That's for sure. So thanks for finding the time, my friend. Thanks, Mark. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Chess, um, another great podcast. Uh, you know, people don't realize how back, how far back we go with Mark Servadio. <laughs> when he was at Avis, he would bring us in all the time to speak to his leaders, and we did a lot of work there. We felt, featured Avis Budget Group in a lot of uh, our books, yeah. um, and yeah. he's just such a wise leader who focus, helps leaders around the world, really, with their culture. Yeah, yeah. You know, the thing I've always appreciated about Mark is, is how thoughtful he is. And how caring he is about his people. You know, he went from HR to leading, you know, a big chunk of Avis Budget uh, rental cars uh, business in in Europe. I remember even uh, going to a football match with him in London. And that was the constant is you knew that Mark was going to take care of his people. And I, I the thing, the first thing that popped out to me right at the beginning of the conversation is he said, we're always talking about how to attract and develop our people. And listening is becoming such a big part. Make sure your people know that you're hearing them, that their voices matter, that listening culture is is, is really coming to the fore. Yeah, you want to bring anxiety levels down. You want to increase engagement. There's a couple of easy levers to pull. Right. One is recognition. and Another is listening, making sure people have ways to express their voices. Yeah, we've talked about that in our books. Um, I loved what he talked about, you know, when you asked him about teams. What, where do teams go right. off, off base? Well, they don't have a purpose. And you think, no, 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 look, we, we know a purpose. We're, we're you know, an <laughs> ER in the hospital. We're about saving people's lives. Yeah, but yeah. people don't. No, no, I'm about making the doctor happy. Right. So have you done that team chartering to figure out what does the future look like? You know, we've done this with teams around the world, and it's amazing how 20 people in the team all have different ideas until you start talking and, and making it common. Yeah, the expression he used was what binds us together. I thought that was a great metaphor. What binds us together? What What's that that glue that makes us come together and say, yeah, we've got important stuff to do here today, and everybody has got a role in how it counts, which leads me to that other point that he made about understanding how people work. Let's get some assessments. We've got different personalities. We've got different backgrounds. Let's let's figure this out so that we know when someone acts this way that that's part of their personality and not somebody trying to, you know, sink the, uh, sink the team or the project. I, I thought it was really important. And you and I have got, had this, you know, experience many times where we have to root out toxic behaviors. Right. Well, why do we allow them? Because that person's a good performer, right? Now, you know, we've had this in our teams in the past where and we allow it to go on too long. 
Uh, we had a toxic performer once on our, one of our teams, and you know, but he he did his job really well. And it was eventually when we started kind of realizing he was a cancer to the team. There was every single member of the team came and said, "We were wondering when you would finally figure this out." Right. And they started blaming us instead of him because right. we kept we allowed it to go on too long. And the great takeaway from that was pause when that behavior pops up. Take a pause and go, yeah. hey, I'm not sure if you realize what yeah. you just did was kind of blowing up the team. And we'd appreciate if you wouldn't do that any- anymore. <laughs> um, talks about pause on the team. And then if it persists, then you go to the one-on-one yeah. and say, by the way, this behavior isn't acceptable. Give them an opportunity to change. And if they can't, that's that rooting out, rooting out part. I, I thought that pause was uh, a good way to, to position it. Um, I love this take on AI, you know, that uh, you lead out with people. How do we leverage AI as opposed to be afraid of AI? And uh, he's going to be talking with Dave Ulrich, um, who we're going to have on a panel that we're uh, we're, uh, doing soon, specifically on AI. I think it really is perception. Look, it it was like, you know, fax machines and elevators and automobiles, you know. I mean, is it a threat or or is (laughs) is it a boon? And I think that's a really healthy look talk a little bit more about the rules based uh, I, yeah, I thought I that was great that you brought that out yeah yeah because because it was so insightful when we talked about this because we were in a rules-based organization at the time um and you know we were trying to become a little bit more um thoughtful a little bit more push you know things um and one of the things that he talked about was look he was in a rules-based organization it's avis they're renting rental cars you know you're not doing wheeling and you know giving somebody you know something they didn't ask for he says but we found ways as he talked about to be more customer centric you know he says we thought it meant more high touch he says no 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 in fact i just rented a car this past week from avis I didn't talk to anybody. Right. I went and they, they sent me a text. Your car is in C23. I went and sat in it. And I went, do I just leave? And I actually had to call Avis. And they said, yeah, drive out. Your your license is, you know. And so, boom. I mean, that's the kind of thing that they have created by being customer focused. And, yeah, it, it, it really is. Are we, And I love what he said. Are you putting your best people against your biggest problems? Right. You know, the last thing for me, I I love the way he wrapped up and said, now is the time to be an inspiration to your peers. Be optimistic. You know, continue on that development and that investment. These these are exciting times. They're optimistic times. Don't lose that. And, uh, you know, it reminds me, my dad used to say, there's no substitute for enthusiasm, Chess. (laughs) You know, be optimistic. Bring, Bring the joy. Well, this has been just a terrific um, chance to catch up again with a leader that we admire and, and think the world of. We want to thank you for joining us today. A big thanks to our producer, Brent Klein, to Christy Lawrence, who helps us find amazing guests, and all of you who listened in. If you like the podcast, please please download it, share it. Um, we'd also love you to visit thecultureworks.com for some free resources to help your team thrive, including... The first chapter free of Anxiety at Work, our best-selling book. You can't beat free. And you can't beat free. I'm sure your dad had a saying about that. Yeah, if it's free, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, we love speaking to audiences around the world, whether virtual or in person. We talk about 
culture, teamwork, resilience, mental health, and of course, gratitude. Give us a call. We'd love to speak at your next event. And again, you could be doing a million things today and you took some time out to listen to our podcast. We're grateful for you and grateful for your time. Adrian, take us home. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. Until next time, we wish you the best of mental health.